Today's Dharma talk is titled, Just Observe, number 11. This will be the 11th talk I've given with that title. And you might think that I'm titling it that because I can't think of what else to say. And yes, there will be a book coming out called, well, I'm not sure about what we'll call it. So the idea with observing is you might think, we might think, we all might think that, I might think that, well, that's obvious, we're always observing things. So well, why is this such an important um, concept to recall, remember? And uh, what I would say is because quite often we're not observing, we're thinking about what we're observing. We're actually, this is what it looks like to me, this is my way of describing how when I'm looking at you and you're asking me a question or talking to, to me or, talk, or when you're doing anything, um, I can see, probably you can see the way something about when we look at something, we start shutting it down just by our commentary on it. I'm not saying stop commenting. I'm saying observe. So some of your observation may be mixed with what's in front of you, another person, a car, the door you're walking into to go to work, to go home, might be that, but there's some kind of commentary. Observe that also. Excuse me. Don't object. Don't agree. Don't look away. So don't object, which is a kind of aggression. Don't agree, which is a kind of passion or grasping. And don't look away, which of course is ignoring or ignorance. Those are the, in Buddhism, those are the three poisons. Those are the three ways we avoid, to put it bluntly, reality. And what is reality? Not separate. You can't find a separate thing anywhere. Separated, yes. We're separated in such a way that it's so magnetizing, it's so seductive to, to buy into the separation and to look at it in a materialistic way as if how can we get an advantage there. The whole world is doing some form of trying to get ahead, even towards enlightenment, trying to, trying to get a, how can I? Sometimes there was a fellow who used to come to the, the monastery that used to say, so Bob, you got any tips? <laughs> I'd say about what? Meditation, you got any tips? And I said, yeah, sit a lot. That was my name in my past life. Bob. <clears throat> so the the encouragement excuse me, is to just observe, and so it's quite difficult to just in our everyday life when we're moving around, we're relaxing, we're moving our hands this way and this way, and we're talking, and we're all the, the, the curvature of the thought pattern is going like this because we want this, but we don't want that. We like this, this is okay, and this will pass right now, but later on I'm going to stop that. Those kind of uh, things. And you can tell I have a lot of experience observing that since I can be descriptive in that way. Might have a lot that I haven't run into. So I'm not saying do this by way of stopping something. I'm not saying do this by way of, of uh, agreeing with or uh, doing something. I'm saying it's kind of like if we're going to use a relative word, then possibly the word include would be good. Whatever arises, see if you can get to the inclusion of it before you laminate it with your thought patterns, your judgments, your ideas, your evaluations, and your basic horse manure that you're putting on top of it. You know, what we do, we just put things. 
Sometimes it's because we don't like what we see with that initial thing that we see. We don't care for that. So we, we come up with something to cover it up, which are generally thoughts about it. Could be justifying it, but it's okay. Well, they can't help it. Well, this is what's always been this way. That's a really good one. Well, things have always been that way. Well, I've always thought that way. Well, you know, that's the way I was trained. That's how it's raised. Be crazy. How about you? So there's no accomplishment of that. If you're, if you're doing this correct, correctly, when I say correctly, I'm saying the way I'm encouraging you to do it, you won't really know it. You won't get a credential out of it. You won't feel like, <laughs> I got this down, this observing thing that Sokasan was talking about. Got it. Just observe it from now on. Probably not. But what will happen in several different ways and with several kinds of qualities, depending on the karma that you in this body-mind complex, you're finding yourselves in this lifetime, it will be uh, interfaced with all of the karma that you're agreeing with, that you like about yourself, all the karma that you disagree with yourself, that you think is yours, which the whole idea of territoriality is a big misunderstanding. Nobody owns anything. And on the other hand, there isn't anything that isn't yours. Why? You're not separate. You're not separate from anything. I sometimes say, and I'll say it right now, what you're looking for, you're looking at. You just may have a whole lot of laminations of ignorance to go through. But don't look away. Don't look the other way. Just look right at the, the stone wall, the darkness, the woods, the uh, eyes in the dark, whatever it may be. Just observe. Number 11. So you won't get a credential like feeling like you're getting better and better at observing. Uh, there is no uh, past and future about something like that. Is, uh doesn't really exist in the way uh, things like this does or this does. Another metaphor that I sometimes use to encourage you to help to help myself, for that matter, is to see that some things are con conceptual uh, pointers, but there's not much of a measurement there. Uh, one of them is called a moment. Uh, a second has a, a beginning and an end, but a moment doesn't have two faces. It doesn't have the beginning of the moment and the ending of the moment. It's not exactly disagreeing with linear time and space, but it's also not particularly agreeing with it. If the clockmaker finds out about the moment, he will feel, or she will feel, or they will feel threatened. So some say, and the, the, what is the book back in the 60s, Be Here Now? Remember, how many of you have seen Be Here Now? Be Here Now. Yeah. Whew. <coughs> I did a lot of rep drugs and I read Be Here Now. It seemed to work for a while. <coughs> 
But the idea seems to be is there there is no situation called now. There is no there is no something else that you can get to. You can't actually leave what you are, who you are. We try to all the time. We try. We keep keep objecting to what comes up in our mind. We object to what comes up in front of us. We object to our world. We agree with our world, and we, we're disinterested or ignore parts of our world. We focus on what we like to, to get more of it. We focus on what we don't like to get rid of it. And we focus on what we uh, have no interest in so we can continue to ignore it and make sure it doesn't get in the way of what we're trying to accomplish or do or get or acquire or grasp. There are all kinds of teachings down through the centuries that are wisdom teachings, uh, Buddhist and otherwise Advaita or non-dual teachings coming out of different traditions, including um, shamanism, uh, Wiccan, th things that uh, I don't, I've never heard of and maybe you have. So there are all kinds of structures and ways to support us to help us begin to see what we really are and what this really is. <clears throat> the way it appears to me is, don't believe this, this applies to Buddhism and to the, the this particular path as a structure for supporting your supporting your consciousness, so you can see fundamentally the truth. Not believe in something. Buddhism is not a belief system. Sometimes used that way by some cultures, it tends to look like you're worshiping somebody. Rather, it is a way of encouraging and working with your mind in a way so that you can um, see the way in which you keep turning away from your sanity. You keep turning away from your Buddha nature or awakened mind. We will almost settle for some kind of credential rather than, than the, the fundamental truth that we're not separate from anything, which is... The fancy word for that in uh, Buddhism is Tathagata Garbha. If that word helps you, use it. What is change? Um, I mean, I can say more. Hmm? I can say more about it if you want, but okay. Like people always say, well, people don't like change. But we're always trying to change things, and everything mm -hmm. seems to evolve on its own anyway. So yeah, I noticed that. What is change? Yeah, whether you take pills or not, the headache goes away. There's something fishy about that. <laughs> so. You know, it's obviously nothing lasts. The basic teaching, the three uh, three marks of existence in Buddhism are impermanence, uh, suffering, or dissatisfaction on some level happening all the time. And nothing la Anything that all compounded things vanish, this is the basic teaching. Anything that comes together as something, a chair, a stool, uh, a window, a bird, a flower, a leaf, a human being, 
a thought, an emotion goes away, goes back into what, wherever it came from. So it, it's there for a while, and sometimes it's there for a long enough period of time that we think it actually is real, just like the human form is around for whatever number of years. And we kind of get used to this. We think that we are. Of course, if you look in the mirror and you watch your face slowly start to shrink into a what is that? What's my face shrinking into? The gargoyle. <laughs> Your baby face. It's going back to my baby face, yes. So it's very interesting, the new baby that was born at the monastery of Chazan and Chazan sent you his baby, Rumi. It's very interesting to have him just, because change is happening so fast with somebody that's a couple months old, to see him, watch him every day. And I had that opportunity when had children myself, but I, I had my head in another place, which I won't mention, and uh, and I was not really aware of this incredible change of watching someone every day, slowly start to notice their environment. It's quite amazing. <clears throat> so I would say that through the sitting practice of meditation, uh, the idea is sit as still as you can, approximate no change. A stillness, silence, and watch what continues to rummage, uh, rummage around or ruminate around or go this way and go that way, get bigger, get smaller, get more intense, get weaker, and watch that and see what that is. And as you're doing that, after you've done that for a few months, few years, few decades, sometime in there, every now and then, just flash on, who sees that? And does who sees that, does that consciousness, does that so-called perceiver change? Just a way of talking about it. Uh, I might even say it this way. Find out if there is a perceiver. I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> Which is really unusual. Yes. If someone's been sitting for a long, long time and has a level of awakening, um, what do they see? Does does the rest the restlessness quiets down? It could, but then again, you can't you can't you can't get away from your karma. The karma that brought you in here as a person, as a woman, as a as a um, an outdoors person. I'm just characterizing a few things about you and, and a, uh, a nurse and all that, and the way you work with uh, relationships with other people and so on. That's probably still going to keep on going on on some level. And a realization, since that's, that's what you're asking about, probably the, the confusion, the irritation, the turmoil won't do anything because, you know, it's, it's just like a tree. The tree is going to disappear. The weather won't change. What does happen? You will see that there isn't any one person, individual, having that experience. The experience is having an experience. It's a kind of a you know, mirror-like way of saying it, but it's like that. There isn't anyone experiencing anything. When this, uh, this person here was having experiences that led to this and away from that uh, were happening, this person could not sit in front of a group of people and talk because this person is extremely self-conscious to the, to the point of uh, craziness. Speak in front of a group of people? No thank you. 
So that's not a problem anymore. It's not because I feel like I know a lot. It might be even the opposite. I don't feel like I know anything. I couldn't do this if I thought I knew things. Then I'd have to argue with everybody in here with a PhD. You have a PhD? How many PhDs are in here? There's one. Eagle Scouts. <laughs> so what, cha what changes is the sense of self-centeredness just starts to, doesn't start to, you just, you can't find anyone. And so therefore there's no one who can reify the emotion of confusion or the emotion around fear. There's still fear, but it can't find someone who's afraid. So it doesn't, the whole, the whole, uh, uh, the whole, uh pretense falls apart and, and it's not something that is an experience because an experience as I was telling someone a little while ago comes there's an experience and what's it doing fading fading away realization doesn't fade it also doesn't appear if it appears very fishy if you're starting to have an experience of awakening and you feel like you have any connection with me, you should come and talk to me so, I can, so that I can explain. <laughs> Does that sound like Desi Arnaz? Yeah. I love Lucy. So that doesn't mean that there might be some kind of a, depending on the dynamic that's happening that is actually grounded in Relative truth, not absolute, relative truth, that area that of, of your, everything from your shoe size to your hair color to your particular uh, ability to, to speak very uh, precisely about things, or maybe your, uh, your difficulty not being a morning person, those kinds of things. Those things are still kind of hanging around, but they don't find anyone that's having that. So therefore, you can find some things get more intense because you're no longer covering any, anything up. You're no longer embarrassed about who you are. You're actually a genuine person with all of your foibles, your defects and everything because they can't find anybody. And anytime they can find somebody, then that, that somebody will, will generate uh, energy around, with the consciousness. It, it will abscond with your awakened mind and turn it into a servant of the confusion in other words, on a subtle level, you'll, have, you'll like give yourself little lectures about how I shouldn't really feel this way. I should feel that way. I should, I should, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this. I should, instead of just being, uh, you know, being, uh, you're, if you're like a dick, you probably are a dick. But nothing lasts. So you might want to actually, when those things happen, just do that, be that for a while. You recognize that one, don't you? <laughs> I might be a dick. <laughs> so the only way, as my teacher Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche said, who was, a, as far as I'm concerned, was a, a Mahasiddha or a great being. He, was a, he had his difficulties and had especially difficulties interfacing with the crazy society that we all showed up in. Excuse me.
What was he said? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to quote him, I think. Chocolate. Yeah. What was something that he said? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I knew I brought you along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'd be genuine. And how does that feel? Well, it might feel pretty bad if what you're involved in at that time is kind of like not really liking yourself so much, wanting to kind of hide out from that, tuck that away, you know, have a cold one, uh, go for a run, you know, do some, you know, do some yoga. Not making fun of yoga. I think yoga is great. I think you should do yoga. We should all do some yoga. We should all, all, have, all have a drink or not. And being genuine uh, took me, uh, he, was, he was probably dead by the time I realized what he meant by that. He died in 1987. <clears throat> what did I find out that he meant? That you actually can be who you are. That you don't have to, whatever shows up as somebody, you don't have to disagree with that. You don't have to get rid of that. You don't have to get rid of something that is unreal. The ego mind, the self-centered mind, is unreal. But it sure thinks it's real, and it will fight desperately to maintain even some kind of, as uh, one of the metaphors he would say, use uh, for that was uh, ego wants to witness its own funeral. So, not gonna happen. So be genuine, maybe be, being, making a fool of yourself. The way I sometimes say this, uh, you can't, if you, if you know you're a fool, then there's no way anyone can make a fool of you. You're already a fool. You're already foolish. You already know that you don't know anything. You don't understand anything. And all there is is this, and you're not separate from anything. Anybody, anywhere, I don't care how evil they are. I don't care what, how big of a saint they are. Not separate. Realize that, and your uh, heart won't belong to you anymore. Good. Um. Does the act of observation separate us from what we're observing? It may, but separation is just part of the illusion. Everything is separated. That's why we're so magnetized by it. You know, there's a chicken sandwich over here and a mud pie over here. So things are separated, but it's all it's always about including the separation and not jumping into some kind of uh, relative evaluation of I need this, but I don't need that. This doesn't mean that you can't have that uh, emotion come up, but don't second any motion or emotion. Don't second it. Don't agree with it. Don't, don't disagree. Don't ignore or look away from it. Be genuine. Find out who you are. I'm not here to convert anybody to Buddhism. You can do whatever you want. Uh, maybe people in the past needed to do that. In our culture, uh, we don't need to do that. You can practice Buddhism. You can actually be, become fully ordained as a monk and not believe in Buddhism. You're looking at somebody that doesn't believe in Buddhism. Nor do I disbelieve in it. Nor do I look away from it. It's just a support. We just use it to support. This is why some people begin to teach and they try to get away from the forms because they think they're extra. They are not extra. That's like trying to have grow trees but don't want any wood. Just get rid of the wood. Every tree should be made of concrete. Isn't that a great metaphor? <laughs> 
The best metaphor is the one that doesn't work at all. Um, Shoto from the monastery has a question. Are those guys watching? They are, yeah. We finally got hooked up. So He asks, uh, yeah, your statement it. earlier, uh, what you're looking for, you're looking at. Um, yes. He asks, are the laminations what we're looking for? Well, initially, you might want to uh, might want to look at those, but what you're what you're looking for, you're looking at. What I'm saying is uh, nothing is separate. In order, you have to see the the laminations in order to see that they are not separate from your happiness. They're not separate from your wisdom mind. Your wisdom mind. This is like a, a like a big school where everybody's downloaded into a embryo, and then. Doesn't make that kind of sound for you guys, but you know, get bigger and bigger and older, and then people tell you what to do and what not to do, and they entrain you into being a human being with certain kind of rules and laws, and then your whole karma that you drag uh, into this lifetime with you, then that also gets included. So you've got so many causes and conditions that tributary streams flowing in the darkness that you can't track down any of it. All evidence is partial. People don't like that, so therefore we have laws, which instead of being guidelines, they become concrete. They turn into concrete. So therefore, some people get mistreated because of people having so much fear that the only way they know how to work with a law is to just say, you're wrong and you need to be locked up. Instead of saying, you're having difficulty, how, how can we help you? Why not help people instead of punish them? It doesn't make any sense to do that. Even in a Basically, relative way. You don't have to be king of the universe to know that. So, Shoto, you're actually, uh, as you sit down and look at the wall, you're looking at your confusion day after day after day. You're looking at things that come and go and come and go. But that which is seeing it is imputed as somebody, uh, as a person who is viewing what is happening. So, I would say, as you're looking at what's happening, then occasionally flash on is there someone here seeing this? Simple question. What is that? What questions work in this area? Why questions do not work? They, are, they take you in circles. It feels like you're getting somewhere. Have you noticed how circles feel like a straight line? And sometimes it's you know your spouse or your next door neighbor or your uh, friend that says, you know, uh, there's a big circle you're going in. <laughs> no, it's not. I know exactly what I'm doing. Mind your own business. Andrew at the monastery also has a question. He asks, how do we focus on what we ignore? So the way, I, I'm assuming he's talking about the way I was using it a few minutes ago. So we, we actually, in order to ignore, ignore, actively ignore something or distract ourselves from it, we have to look at what it is and see how we're not interested. Or maybe it's threatening and going to war with it hasn't worked or going to peace with it hasn't worked, so instead we shut off or ignore or attack ourselves. So you actually, in order to ignore something, you have to first see it. That's why, uh, uh, in one way that Trump Rinpoche, his book of poems called First Thought, Best Thought. He's basically, it's not really a thought, but your first insight, your first perception of something is probably pretty close to what's actually there. If it's, uh, if it can't be measured, if it's justice, justice, just like just a mo the first moment of seeing someone. Have you noticed how that when you first moment when you see someone, you know something about them that just goes away, and then you have thoughts about them. 
Or I could be the only one that knows that. Everyone else is doing something more accurate. Questions? Alita. If, if there is, um, if when we look and, and there's no body there, uh, there's, there's, not, there's nothing there except the, the sort of conglomeration of what the senses are doing and so on. Yes. Then what is um, an individual? Uh, what is an individual? Uh, it's just a collection of stuff. Uh, the traditional uh, description in uh, Buddhism is the, is the five skandhas or the five heaps. Five uh, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, concept, and, uh, and consciousness. So form, feeling, perception, concept, or thinking, uh, rationale, and logic, and all of that. And then the six sense fields and their objects, which, are all, which bring it all together and makes it feel like there's somebody. In the enlightened person is another way of talking about in that someone who is uh, realized, realize that what this is and are uh, functioning as a, um, an enlightened being, you could say, which is not particularly a big, a fancy thing. But that five, those five skandhas are probably still operating. It's just like they're, they don't gather together. They don't team up on you. They don't, hang, they don't hold hands. The connections between them are broken. Form is just form. Feeling is just feeling. Perception is just perception. There's no perceiver. There's no feeler. There's no. There's no one apprehending or apperceiving anything. There's no solid entity. Those are still functioning in consciousness, which is without a self, without a central. It's a center, uh, or it's a it's a, a fringe with no center. Or it's a centerless fringe. It's just we're taking relative truth and we're trying to. Move it in such a way that that there's a possible spark of insight arises in the midst of that situation. This is what all the Zen koans are about, the Zen stories, and and teachers who try to uh, respond to us in such a way that it might uh, help you see more deeply into your relative grasping, rejecting, and ignoring mind. Not yours, of course, but somebody else. Yes. Oh, so part of, the, of that question is um, if consciousness is 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 everything um, then and I'm not that's not the right word to use I can't think what I what I would use in place of that but if if there's consciousness and then there are individual consciousnesses what's the relationship of the individual consciousness to the consciousness I can help you I don't know if you'll be able to follow me but it's, it's not separate the relationship of the individual, not separate. It's just like anything that is broken down into parts is not separate from the thing, from whatever it adds up to. You don't need to add it up. It's already not separate. It's uh, the, the everything, just, just, just the body alone. The example I often use is the glomeruli in the kidney. Is there how many? There's hundreds of glomeruli or little, what are those called? Amoebas. <laughs> Maybe in you. Huh? Maybe in you. They're me and me, and they're jelly beans and you. So anyway, they're not they're not separate from what they're doing or what they are. Their function is not separate from their their beingness. Well, it's separated so that we can have the tension. It's like a like the the magnet, the magnet with the. Somebody was saying recently about it's like trying to bring the south poles of a magnet together when they're working with their own negativity. Pretty good uh, image. 
or because it's uh, it, it, there's always some kind of resistance around that. And the separation, no separation, it's like the example I use quite often is a hand. There's a hand, a hand is a hand, it's one thing. But what is a hand made up of? Fingers and a palm and so on. And, and they're separated or they couldn't function. But the separations in that, like I say, the little finger is not jealous of the thumb. So it's, it knows its function, it just does that. So it functions, uh, you could say there's a, there's a profound and intimate cooperation that's happening here that, that doesn't, it doesn't require thoughts to function well. And, and the whole structure of uh, consciousness that is showing up as manifestation or in the, that area of uh, this level of being that has to do with uh, apparent time and space where things appear and they collapse. They appear and they collapse. Just like a lifetime from the, from the ultimate point of view, a lifetime is, as it says in the Diamond Sutra, is just a, a flash of lightning, just a bubble. You know, the, 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 that time, that duration is just so short. And as we get older, we start to have a personal experience of how short life is. Not you, me. Yes? Um, during meditation instruction, you uh, gave the analogy of, or the metaphor of watching the stream. Yes. Um, and this comes up in Vasubandha's teachings as well. And I'm curious, you also said the moment is uh, past and present, uh, past and future are not part of the moment. Yet the river seems to come and go somewhere. So I'm curious, how how can the moment function um, without past and future? So they're not they're not uh, part of the moment in so far as our perception of them, but in so far as uh, what what it actually is, it's not separate. Nothing is separate from anything else. Like uh, we were talking about consciousness a few minutes ago. Nothing, consciousness doesn't belong to anybody. It's kind of on loan for a little while. So, but it feels like there's some person, some individual sovereign kind of guy or girl or person who is somehow can win or lose, get ahead or fall behind. And not, we're not saying you can't in the relative situation, but in your, your ultimate situation, which is not actually a situation. So then when it's time to measure it, go ahead and measure if you can. But then that all collapses. So watching the stream is just a way of saying, you're sitting, you're holding still, the leaves are falling in the stream and, the, and they're floating by, like thoughts are just floating by, I don't belong to anybody. They're definite, there's a definite color, there's a definite vibration, there's a definite amount of sunlight there, there's a definite amount of shade, there's the feeling in your body as you sit there and you watch. When you watch the thoughts come and go, they belong to no one. And this doesn't mean that you try to get rid of you try to have the thoughts without anyone there. What you do is you see that the thoughts are, as somebody wrote, a, I think it was Stephen Batchelor wrote a book called, Was It Thoughts Without a Thinker? Does anyone know that? Maybe just something he said. But it's like there's nobody creating, there's no identity doing it. Go ahead. Um, if the moment, if past and future are not part of the moment, then what is karma? Karma is a, a Sanskrit word that means action. It just means that the, the apparent cause and effect. Here's an object swinging through space. There's cause. There's this thing. It's not doing anything. This is just moving through space, and they come together. And a third thing ha happens. There's cause and effect. That's karma. What, what we do, though, is as apparent individuals who are afraid of the future and regret the past, 
any combination of such, we impute that this is all there is. And we try to control it. We need a larger, want more sound, you need something bigger. You want less sound, you need something smaller. This needs to be changed from a C to a, um, what's that other note? C sharp? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Is cause an effect? I'm sorry, is awareness a cause? <clears throat> So the way I talk about awareness is uh, is to liken it to uh, the space in which things occur, and by being aware, we're we're uh, aligning ourselves over time with the space in which in which things occur by watching what's occurring, the phenomena that is arising, the thoughts, the ideas, the emotions, the sounds outside the building. We're we're not accepting it, rejecting it. We're not doing anything. We're aligning ourselves with that. So cause is, I mean, uh, awareness is functions uh, because it is with the, the whole sensorium that is receiving touch, taste, smell, is, is receiving. There are nerve endings and there are organs and then there are objects that come in. So it gets very, uh, very elaborate in terms of the physical things that are coming and going. So the space in which that occurs is, is an aspect of consciousness that is uh, an open dimension. And that's where, that's where the wisdom mind shows up. Until it becomes wisdom, it's awareness. Once it's wisdom, there may be awareness, there may not be. It doesn't matter because nothing is separate anymore. So there's nothing to be aware of something else. Everything is just this. It's called uh, Mahamudra in the Tibetan. It's also called uh, 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 Dzogchen or the Great Perfection. There's nothing, you don't need to do anything with anything. Add, subtract, divide, nothing. Everything is perfect as it is. This is not ignoring the intense suffering. It, it may be doing more for the suffering to, uh, to help that parts of, those parts of consciousness that are going through such a great uh, difficulty by not meddling with it, but just, just align, align yourself with the perfection, which is beginning with awareness. Don't meddle with anything. Don't teach anything unless you have to, and especially don't teach unless you have permission. Not that you would. <laughs> more? more about that? Can awareness exist in confusion? I think that's the only way it can exist. Because if awareness is aware of awareness, then there isn't anything. And there isn't even any awareness. So there needs to be something so that there can be awareness. That's the ultimate, you could say, duality is the space and the awareness, or the sky and the clouds. This is a, a metaphor that's been used for centuries. <coughs> awareness is not, awareness has no, uh, the fancy way of saying it, no ontological or a phenomenological status. It's not something. It's like space. So the way the ego mind begins to experience that when it's kind of dragged, kicking and screaming uh, towards uh, sanity, doesn't want that because it knows that it can't live, it, that it, its whole existence, the me, me, me feeling, is based on, on, um, uh, on things that are not true, on 
winning and losing, good and evil, all of those things are not. They have a kind of truth to them, but they're not fundamentally true. More. Does, does only truth arise in awareness? I think that's more like truthiness. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, to use truth as a it's a it's an abstract <coughs> idea about something. It's, I don't know if truth is just not separate from from the space in which it occurs. So it doesn't have any kind of time frame to it, or it, here it is now and then it's gone away. So it's, just, it's difficult. The more we get, uh, if you begin to realize this, you'll 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 ha- probably have an experience of being tongue tied. Because when we get more and more an understanding of this, we we see that how do you how do you even say this? Without, as soon as you say it, you immediately because of the awareness being so powerful, and so that when your awareness starts to lead your life, and you're lo- no longer buying into the paranoia of your your petty mind, then we can't do that. But what will people think? Or what will I think? Or what will they say? Or I have to get rid of this. The petty mind is always trying to rule everything based on judgment. But the wisdom mind is uh, not ignoring that. It's, it's not uh, justifying that. It's not looking away from that. It's not separate from that. And that's why it's quite a, a leap for the self-centered mind to see. There's no proof. There's no guarantee that you're going to come out of this alive. More? Good. I'm starting to get hard. <laughs> Further questions? Kodan. Earlier today we were talking about um, the busyness of life and electronics and a hundred things to complete one simple task of chores. And you said the stillness is in that. I don't know if you use the term busyness or all that stuff to do. When did I say that? This morning, <clears throat> about six o'clock. I did. Did you forget? <laughs> well, I obviously, I didn't remember. We were looking at um, campers. Oh. And I said I, I wanted it, to yeah. go camping. Stillness and campers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only they got to be under sixteen feet long. How about sixteen exactly? That works. Buy it. Done. Live in it. <laughs> Come down to the monastery and park out in the paddock. You have to check with the, those guys first. Yeah. Just uh, It's just a way of saying it's not separate. The stillness and the movement are not two different things. They just separate so that we can have something to do. Well, it seems like modern life is kind of stressful, and we're being called in every different direction. There's so many different yeah. things to do <sighs> that there is not even time to rest sometimes. You got it. So if that seems to be choiceless or the circumstance, how can we realize stillness in the midst of all that stuff? Sit. 
sit down, hold still, and watch what moves until you until you understand that yourself in the consciousness. And it takes a while to do that. More? How does that help? <clears throat> less turmoil, less suffering. The suffering itself may be there, may not be. You're not too concerned with it. Suffering, suffering of one's own dynamic uh, reduces quite a bit, but you're not really looking for that result so much because as you as you, this reduces, you start to see the suffering all around you and everyone else. You see people that don't even know they're suffering. The suffering is so intense for them; they've got it so covered up. They're, it's like they're it's like they're living in a in a pile of uh, of uh, uh, pillows. They're so covered up that they don't realize how fragile they are. And, and for a time, they can maintain that uh, ignorance and stabilize that fragility. But uh, nothing lasts. And in the Tibetan tradition, the sitting practice of meditation and the tantric practices is basically called in, in the sutras. Right? And in the, in the liturgies that actually the practice is done in, I don't know if all four lineages, but in the lineage I practice in was, this is your preparation for death. So it addresses impermanence directly right there. This is your preparation for when this all collapses. Uh, you that before this happens, you find out who you are, and find out that you're 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 neither uh, you're neither this nor are you separate from this. And this is an astonishing situation to realize. I've sometimes said, unless you're really really hopeless, you're not going to be really really fear, fearless because if you've got any hope, the, the the opposite are the, the hand in hand. Hope and fear go hand in hand. So when somebody says, what gives you hope? The same thing, it gives me fear. Yes. <clears throat> I can see that questioning look on your face. <laughs> you said what, what, I forget what you just said. What gives you hope or what gives you fear? Do, do, to consider that or observe that, does there have to be a topic that comes up around hope and fear? Probably could happen. I think it would be specifically with a, each person, what your own, what's happening with you. If I understand your question, it'd be different. It would be different. You might <coughs> what's giving, what's bugging somebody, one person, and giving them difficulty, might not make any sense at all to what's happening with you. They might not understand it more. Seems like um, at some point it's. At some level, there's a recognition of hope and fear, but there might be that urge without any particular subject. It's just, um, you can tell it's fear or hope. Well, so to take that a little further, I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, hope that it doesn't, we don't have a blizzard or hope that the power doesn't go out. I'm saying, sure, we're going to do that. I hope the power doesn't go out. Or I hope that I don't uh, get caught in a storm or something. We have that kind of thing, but sometimes the sometimes that builds up into some kind of a uh, artifice that that prevents us from seeing uh, how afraid we are of working with the fear directly, so we can actually work with that whole dynamic directly, work with the whole mandala, the whole what's the fancy word shebang? <laughs> yeah, that one. So to actually be aware of all that, so that you, nothing surprises you. I mean, everything is. Uh, Amazing because everything is a, a completely fresh, new all the time, and yet nothing is surprising when something that was going this way suddenly goes that way. You're not, you're not particularly 
surprised. I'm not somebody saying that somebody can't slam the door in your finger and surprise you. It'd be pretty surprising. So, but it has has something to do with the self-centeredness and how you're connected up to your own nerve endings. All the six sense, all the five senses, and the sense of uh, that area that receives thoughts and thinks that it produces thoughts. You don't produce anything. You think you, th you think we produce things. This is the ego that keeps generating stuff, and it's just uh, it's just rerouting the same old shipment of beans <clears throat> into me, 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 and my stuff, and my success, and my getting ahead, and I'm becoming a a great attorney or. I'm, or I'm being a terrible person. I'm going down the tubes and I need to get to more meetings and all that other kind of stuff. Don't misunderstand. I'm not evaluating anybody's function. I'm just saying that whatever you're doing, bring as much awareness to it as you can. You don't have to worship the Buddha or even do anything with Buddhism. I think it helps to understand a teaching that has been around for 2,500 years that Human beings have been talking about this and refining this. This is a this is a cumulative tradition. The Buddha said a few things. Other teachers have come along and understood what he said. Like uh, um, <clears throat> Vasubandhu is one of them, and Nagarjuna in the first century, the Common Era, came along and kind of elaborated, stretched that out and that understanding out, so that we can see it more deeply and more clearly. But you can also just sit down, look at your own mind. And then you, every three years, you can come and say, so uh, this is happening and that's happening. Okay, so what should I do? Go sit some more. <laughs> Think about the, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links in the Chain of Existence, and the Six Realms, the Three Realms, <clears throat> the Three Modes, and uh, all those other stuff, all those other concepts that keep doing what? Turning us back to seeing, what is this? Well, look at this, it's so obvious. This is here, that's there, there's a there's a computer, there's a person, there's cups. You know, we just feel so kind of safe. Look closely, you're sitting on the edge of a cliff. I'm about to push you over. <laughs> With your permission. And how do you do that? You say, help me. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not, really a, not really pushing you into anything. I'm just saying, if you want to understand what this is, then it's in front of you. Look at it. How do we do that? Sit down and insist on it. Hold still. Sit in a symmetrical posture, which is one thing we can control. You can't make your mind do this. Your mind is going... That's the same, same thing, only it doesn't make any noise. Just this. But to hold very still and watch what continues to rotate, jump up and down and move around and show up and hide and show up and hide and show up and hide. It's powerful. And that, that means the whole universe, every everything in the universe is starting to come to your aid. Sometimes called angels. Don't quote me. believe in that? No, I don't believe in anything. I also don't, but disbelieve. disbelieve. You have a good memory. Because I say it over and over again, so that helps. <laughs> so, but energy is available. I mean, there's, there are people that are marketing this whole idea of energy. 
further questions? Yes. Where does the resistance arise from? I think it's probably the best word to use. It would be a little bit different with each person, but probably fear. Fear of simply, you could say fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of going crazy, fear of, you know, you could go right down and name probably a dozen things, but, you know, fear of, uh, my my uh, big one when I was in my, uh, I was in my 20s was a, a fear of insanity, fear of going crazy. I lost that battle. <laughs> and fear of doing something terrible to myself or to someone else was just horrible and so then I didn't pull out of that nosedive very quickly but it helped to be sat down and start to as my teacher said sit down and look at it so that's what I did sat down and did it for years and years sit down and look at the craziness look at the spinning look at the fear look at the fear look at the fear don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away. Don't look at the fear and then explain it. Don't, as some people want to bring it back into the relative area so they can have, what, a solution. There's no solution to this. There's no solution. It's not a problem. It's perfect as it is. This is the teaching of the Zogchen teaching out of the, what, 12th century Tibet. Or, and even before then out of uh, ancient India, China, Japan. More? So does fear arise from identification with the separate self? Looks like it. That would be a way of saying that the, the separate self is there's some kind of stickiness or velcro there that you know we try to pull on it or it tugs. So that's why you can't get rid of it. You can't you know you can't I mean, you could, but it would come back. Anything you can get rid of is going to come back because it feels it feel, feels validated to give it a little personality. It feels like it is something that you can get rid of. So that's like something like psychoanalysis or or 12-step programs or any other kind of situation. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Of course you should. If it helps you, please do it. You don't need to meditate. If you find something else that works, do that. This is not better or higher. I'm not saying that at all. It's just a way of working with being a living being in a way that is basically sane. And it's not at war with anything. How do you know someone is awake? No more warfare. With yourself or with anyone else. No matter how intense the emotions get. Because they don't stop. That's what the ego doesn't like, that feeling. of. If I was really clear, would my negative feelings stop? Yeah, they would. No, I lied. They wouldn't. But... Um, Mayun from uh, Brittany, France has... Yes. A- question. She says, when I observe, I see myself having distraction with intense amount of pain arising in my body, sitting in lotus, for example, or with nurses' cares, and I can stand it as if my body were an external tool, almost having fun observing it. Is it a sort of clever trick to ignore it, or is it awareness stretching? Thank you. It's neither one and both. So to, to go to one or go to the other uh, is just, just all you have to do is just be where you're at. You, there's, there's nothing I can say to you that's going to help you other than continue to practice. Mon nuage lumineux. It's all the French I know. <laughs> <laughs>
just all you have to do is just continue to do that and experience the, the polarity happening and uh, and experience the the way you want want it to be this way or that way or you the way you if you just knew should I, should it be, is this it or is it this it's like I sometimes say I don't do uh, multiple choice but and with someone in France I will do multiple choice because of Jean Paul Sartre. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Further questions? Yes? How can we be aware when at times we might use meditation or this practice to avoid reality? I'm gonna, I want to answer that question. But I, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to paraphrase that so I can get an uh, a, an idea of the the dimension in which this is coming out of. So, like, if we're experiencing something uncomfortable or a conflict with somebody, you might pull back into awareness to kind of create a Got space it. or separation. Yeah. Don't create space. Don't pull back into awareness. Whatever is uh, whatever is uh, arising, meet it. And the way you meet it is don't accept it. Don't reject it, and don't run away into awareness. That's a highly sophisticated form of ignorance. And especially, it happens with people who have meditated for many, many years and have become very, very good at avoidance and call it uh, mindfulness. Follow that? More? Okay. Be crazy. There, there is no such thing as that. That's why you can do it. Mercy says, Les Nuages Luminaux. <laughs> they pronounce it right? It's pretty close. Her French is much better. Of course, she's born with it. <laughs> Further questions? Yes, Lita. I'm still trying to ask the question that I was trying to ask before, and I can't think yes. how to ask it. If if the, the person, if the self is a collection, or the, the conscious, individual consciousness is a collection of skandhas, I thought yes. a compilation of skandhas, then what happens when there, when, when there are no more um, sense gates, when that person's dead, there are no more sense gates, and then what, what's consciousness then? <clears throat> The nature of uh, sound, the nature of smell, taste, touch, hearing is, uh, to use the fancy relative word, is eternal. It's the it's the it's the uh, the um, the nature of that is eternal, or is not is not bound in time and space. I can give you an example right now. As I always talk about the blue alligator in the kitchen, you've heard me talk about that. Yeah. Once you visualize that, it can't ever go anywhere. It's always there. It doesn't function. Uh, in this uh, uh, time and space situation. It's beyond that, or it's within that, or it's not separate from that. So the, just like uh, when you're in a dream, it seems so real. It's not real. It's a dream. That's why they say, uh, the Tibetans say, the dream you have at night is the sample dream. It shows you what a dream is, and this is the real dream. This is the one you need to wake up from. You're always going to wake up out of that one, as long as you have a physical form. But this is the one to wake up, wake up from. And if you wake up from it while you're in it, it's called uh, what do they call that? 
Lucid living? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help make a pun. I'm not really sorry. It's just polite to say that, don't you think? Yeah. More? No, I don't know what to ask anymore. Okay, so uh, just a little bit. They're, they're, they both exist and non exist. If I say, I can show you, give it, say, listen to this. You listening? Now remember it. Where is that being remembered at? This is beginning to show you that this body mind is just a, it's just a, a huge sense organ that li, that is a, just a big food body, just made of food. Yes. So it's a huge sense organ. So what, where I'm remembering that is in the various parts of my sense organs. Um, okay. I got it. Okay, so I'm going to now sit there. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to do something. You ready? Okay, I'm going to count to three. And when I, I'm going to say one, two, three. And when I say three, I want, you move your, I want you to move your consciousness to the kitchen right in here and look at the stove. You know where the stove's at in there, don't you? Already did it. See, I didn't even do one, two, three. That shows you how just instantaneous, just immediate, you immediately can go anywhere. You're not limited. You're only limited by your own hope and fear and your own mind. There isn't anywhere you need. And you don't look for evidence of anything. Evidence is partial, and it's also based on relative truth, which most of the world is locked into scientific materialism, spiritual materialism, cultural materialism, 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 materialism. And we are... Uh, transcendental spiritual beings who have been downloaded into uh, organisms, to put it bluntly. So hang out and enjoy yourself. It won't last long. You'll be back in uh, whatever that was soon enough. And then if you haven't gotten the lesson of being here, you're going to be right back around to go through the same <clears throat> kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Fourth grade is especially hard because that's where you learn to multiply. Which is not a class on multiplying. Any further? Yes? Dovetailing with that, and you, you've mentioned in the past that um, you don't believe in past lives. just a compilation of all these skandhas when we, we have this little uh, constellation of whatever yes. we are. Yes. Um, what uh, if we do have karma from previous times? I'm listening. Um, how is that carried along lifetime to lifetime? Gotcha. So the way it's carried along is you have unresolved wishes and desires and hopes and fears. Those don't necessarily go away. When the body-mind collapses, There's your consciousness situation is still happening. Not in the physical area, but it's still there. And it happens that way, or it can happen through, the other way it can happen is through a vow. In our situation, it's the vow to be with all things or save all beings. So you will come back into this sphere with the motive to save people from their suffering, from their confusion. You can come back out of greed, you can come back out of love. 
Is isn't that then what most of us are calling um, us us? I mean, that's um, that's the consciousness that we are at least thinking, that's observing, that's feeling. What about? It? Um, what are you asking? That's. Uh, not a person. You always say there's no there's no one here. There's not a person. No, there's not. But there. There's something. You want to know what it is? Find out by looking at what it's not. Find out what you're not. Do a lot of it. 